and we are in. Welcome back to the Pure Sport Project. My name is Adam Ash, and I am the one of the co-founders at Pure Sport CBD. And this is episode two of the the Pure Sport Project. We are doing a six-week live and living series. We're bringing you some of our community from Pure Sport CBD, from people from all sorts of different backgrounds, uh, our athletes. Um, we're talking some business, we're talking life, we're ta- talking learnings, uh, success, all sorts of stuff. Um, great to be back. Uh, you've just got me this week. We don't have Grayson or Big Joe. Grayson is going to be back on the next episode. Uh, him and myself are going to work this on alternate weeks. So you'll see me every couple of weeks and then you'll see him every couple of weeks. Big Joe, he's not here either. He's uh, behind the scenes producing this episode. We are streaming live on Facebook. Um, so each of these first six, six episodes are going to be streamed live over Facebook. We're also going to be putting these episodes out as a podcast on Spotify and iTunes. So if you happen to, to be listening to this uh, at some point in the future and hear some references back to, to a video or, or us talking about things at this point in time, that's because it's been streamed over Facebook. But I'm, uh, I'm excited to get into this episode today. We have got a, a fantastic guest. We're, we're starting with a bang. Uh, this this lad has uh, he's been a good friend of mine for a long time. Uh, he's also been a, a fantastic ambassador and advocate of, of Pure Sport CBD. Um, he is, yeah, we, we've, we've pretty much grown up uh, together playing rugby. And uh, he's somebody who... I'm I'm very fortunate to to still be fantastic friends with, and it's been great for me to see his career develop. Uh, he's sitting there uh, awkwardly uh, laughing away at my introduction. I'm sure he's uh, I'm sure he's enjoying this. But Ben Russell, welcome. How are you doing, brother? What's happening? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Um, not much too new over here. Just back in Paris, um, getting some rehab done, and yeah. Just the usual with uh, with the COVID situation just now. There's not much that's changed in the last couple of months. So you guys are back. Uh, you similar to us over here in Scotland? Are you in a bit of a lockdown at the moment as well? Yeah, I think we're pretty much in a lock. Oh, we can go out and about, but there's not much open. So, um, yeah, it's kind of similar to how it was. Although we're we're still training and have games as as normal. So, not much has really changed for me. I live on my own, so it's kind of go to training, come back, chill out. Um, and then do the same the next day. So it's been all right for me, actually. Good. Glad to hear it. So you, obviously, the, the last game of rugby that you would have played in would have been the the Wales v Scotland game. must have been about four weeks ago now. So obviously in that game, you, you ended up getting injured. So what's what's kind of happened since that point? Have you, you've ended up going back to Paris and are you doing some of your, your rehab and recovery over there? Yeah, so um, like you said, I got injured in that game. Um, I hurt my groin or my tendon longest or something. Um, so yeah, I came back to Paris to, to rehab here and, and get looked after by the, the medical team at Bashing. So um, it's coming along quite well, um, progressing quickly. So hoping to be back in the next, hopefully, few weeks, um, depending on how it goes. Well, that's good to hear because, I mean, obviously... With from what from what I've been kind of talking about with you, there's, there's a few different kind of routes to go down with the injury that you had in terms of actually how you heal from it. Um, 
and obviously there's different opinions when it when it comes to the best way of healing for the specific injury you had. Do you want to just touch on a little bit about what the injury kind of like like for the for the everyday person what what the injury was? I heard you touching on the. <laughs> But like, what uh, what is the injury and like what what was the kind of options that you had to 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 heal, get back and 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 obviously get yourself back on the field? Um, so then I pretty much tore it off the bone. Or I tore it off the bone, the tendon. Um, and the options were, I think you can either reattach it onto the bone, um, to where it was, or you just leave it as it is. You try and move it like slightly further down the leg, um, and then you just. It's handier to have it, but it's not a necessity to have. There's another tendon there, or something else the muscles can join on to. I think, um, and you, you can you can be fine without it. So over here in France, I think the route they go down is not operating and just leaving it, um, leave it unattached, and then you kind of strengthen the muscles and the, the stuff around it to to make up for that. Um, but I like in, in Scotland, I think you know, they do the operation there, and that's the way their way of doing it. So it just depends where you are and. And what the medical team, um, what what their routine is for this this injury. So, for me, I'm quite happy not to get an operation. Um, and they say it works out quite a lot, or most it's always been okay whenever they've had it. Um, and I think quite a lot of footballers do this sort of type of this type of recovery for from it. Um, so yeah, so I've been back. I was been running after about ten days. I started running again after the injury. Um, and I did some sort of sprinting stuff at the start of this week, which has been been alright. Um, so yeah, I'm hopefully building up to change in direction in the next few days and then next week we'll, we'll see how it goes Good, so I, I know you've been in a similar situation like that before with like other injuries, I think it was your shoulder you had the, the option yeah. that operated on but you you ended up kind of opting for the, the sort of rehabilitation and working closely with the physios to strengthen up rather than the operation and it's, a, it's an interesting one I think like Obviously, there are two routes to go down there, but I guess from your point of view, knowing that with your shoulder you managed to do that successfully, it must have given you a little bit of confidence. Knowing that hopefully this time again you can have a lot of success with the non-operative route. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, like, well, Tom Labram, that would be what, five and a half years ago now, maybe six years ago, maybe even six and a half. Anyway, um, and again, it was kind of not a fifty-fifty. It was kind of a discussion, maybe an operation or rehab. It's see how it goes. If it doesn't heal up, we get an op. Um, but mine, yeah, it was all right after uh, after rehabbing it, and I've not had issues with it since. So that's been that's been handy. Um, and with this one, like I say, it's um, when I, when I spoke with the guys at Ration, they were quite positive. They're like, "Oh, it's fine. It's not that big an injury." It sounds kind of they're saying it's kind of almost sounds worse than it is because you've ruptured your tendon. But looking at it, it's fine. It's kind of six weeks, uh, six to eight weeks, depending how you how you recover. So, um, like I say, next weekend will be five weeks. So I'm hopefully not far off it. Well, you know, I reckon that um, the reason that you've made such a rapid recovery must be because the fizzy over there at Racing has been rubbing that pure sport CBD bam, muscle and joint bam onto that groin every day. That's it. <laughs> every day. I think I'm getting two massages a day currently. So right? Quite good. Uh, so you tend to go and get massage, warm up and all that stuff and then do your session, get another massage and whatever. So yeah. um, I'm getting the, bam, getting the bam in there a lot there, yeah. Oh, good. And obviously, you've had a you've had a bit of a whirlwind sort of last three or four months of rugby. Like I know, like you, you know, you guys had a fair amount of obviously after the first we came out of that first lockdown, 
you guys got back into a bit of a pre-season and then you were sort of back into a fair amount of rugby with Racing and then finished off the season, the league season, and then we're into uh, a lot of the European stuff, which must have been amazing, obviously, to to get to the final. Um, and obviously, it never ended the way that you would have wanted. But, you know, I think, like, you, you obviously played such a pivotal part in, in getting the team to, to the final, um, especially the the semi-final with that kick, which was pretty uh, unbelievable at the end of the game. How, how, how was it? Obviously, I, I watched the final back in uh, in Stirling with a few of our good mates from back home, like Blair, Steph, Craig. Uh, it was there. And uh, it was some atmosphere. We, we were going absolutely mental uh, watching the game. And, oh, I'll tell you what, like, so gutting at the end of the game and obviously you guys just missed out but I mean what a game of rugby uh, it was like it's very rare that you see uh, a game of rugby that's sort of that open with that many sort of tries and action especially in like a final what was it like after the game and like what was the whole, whole occasion like and, and obviously after that we went back at the, the Scotland camp so that must have been a must have been pretty interesting after well, a fair bit of time for you out, out of camp but yeah, maybe touch on the game and, and kind of what that was like playing in the final, etc. Yeah, um, obviously the, the semi, the quarter final was against Clermont, and we, we managed to get a, quite a, a good win there. We got off quickly and um, progressed. And the week after was obviously Saracens, like you touched on, which came down to the last couple of minutes, um, which was it was great for us to win that game. Um, but then the build up to the final was it's kind of different just now because probably of COVID, there's no the build up feels kind of different. You know, there's no no media, no fans at the games before at the semi final, the quarter final, and even then for the final, there's no the atmosphere. There wasn't well, there's no atmosphere almost because there's there's no fans. So it was a very different um, experience. You know, we've played in the, the final of the Pro 14 two times, and it, it would be very different to that anyway. But uh, I just didn't, not didn't feel like a final, but it was very very different due to the current circumstances. Um, but no, it was, it was amazing to, to have been in that position and actually had a chance to potentially win win the Champions Cup. Um, but for, for me and for the club, as we've never won it here at Racing before. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like I said, it was a good game. I, th- I thought we played really well. There a few things we could have done differently. Um, but that's that, that sport and these are things that we'll, we'll, have, we'll all have to learn from. Like, that, that's what they say, you never, you never lose a game, you learn from it and all that stuff. But... Um, it's something we win from it. It's the first time playing a Champions Cup semi and a final for me. So um, I'll, I'll learn from that especially. But um, it was good. And then getting, I was getting back up into camp was good as well. Thankfully, the Exeter boys weren't there straight away. So <laughs> um, we came back to, to Paris straight after the final and had a few drinks here, then flew back into camp after. So um, it was all right. Um, and I think quite a few boys wanted, uh, wanted Racing to win instead of uh, Exeter. So. That made it a little bit easier going back up, like I say, without them there. But um, but now nah, it's fine. It's obviously we're gutted, and I, I was gutted as well. But it's you've quickly got to change and get straight back into the next thing. You know, within I think it was six days after it, we we're playing against Georgia, so I had to quickly forget about the the final that had just been and, and move on to the next thing. And then uh, from there, it's just kind of one thing after the next, isn't it? So you know what it's like when you've got a game every weekend. You can't really dwell on on the past. That's it, it all happened so quickly. And then, obviously, you, you were back in camp for that week without the Exeter boy. When they came back in, what happened? Did, was there a bit of crack, a bit of banter kicking about? 
Uh, nah, not not much. Um, gosh, I kind of said well done to them and all that sort of stuff and and whatever. But they they, they just won the the prem final that weekend as well. So they just done a double and then they came back up. So they were in high spirits. Um, Hoggy and Johnny got the Monday off, although when I came back up, I never got the Monday off, and um, cool. Sam's gonna never got the Monday off. So it's just the kind of special treatment that happens on camp, I suppose. Um, I think Hoggy's claiming had a tight, tight hammy, and John had a tight calf or something. So saying that through bloodshot eyes, I'm not sure if I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, it was like it was great for them, obviously, to have them in the, in the team. It was, you know, obviously they they they've been there and won it, so it's just good. Not that not to catch them about it, but obviously coming off a high, so then have them come back into the team with confidence was was, was good for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure it was. It must have been a crazy time, like. Like obviously a few massive games in the lead up to that, and then go back into Scotland camp, and uh, you know I guess it'd been a while since you'd been in there as well. So I'm sure it was great to get back in and a lot of the boys. Was um one of the things I'm quite keen to sort of touch on is like, um you know obviously we've we've grown up playing rugby together. Uh, you know initially first at sort of Stirling County, and then moved into the Glasgow Warriors Academy set up and then, you know, you pushed on and sort of broke into the team and, you know, not too long after that, I, I did myself as well. But, you know, I think we've probably both experienced, uh, well, certainly we've both experienced what, what rugby's been like here in Scotland and within sort of the, the environments that are over here. But I know we've both also been keen to sort of, at some point, obviously you've been over there for a few years now, but travel to other parts of the world and, and play rugby and, and go into different cultures and environments and, and that kind of thing. And, you know, I'm, I'm from a personal level, I'm, I'm really excited for myself to get out to LA and experience uh, what, what rugby's like out there, experience a new place. But what, what would you say when it comes to, like, the, the, the kind of differences? And I want to ask about, like, the, the culture of living in Paris versus living in, in Glasgow and how that sort of differs. And then also from like a rugby point of view, actually within the camps, like is there any differences and there's, is there sort of things that you enjoy more about the French environment or you like about the Glasgow environment? Um, yeah, I think it's, well, for me, it's been great just um, change up a little bit, getting away from Glasgow. And uh, I was there six years in total. Um, and I think... With maybe a couple of years left in my contract, I was I was keen to kind of get away and experience something else, um, and just kind of challenge myself again. Um, I think that, that's been good for me. Actually, coming over here, getting different challenges on the field and off the field, it's probably made me develop and grow a little bit as a player and a, as a, as a person, which has been great. Um, you know, Glasgow was amazing for me. Like you said, we both came through at similar sort of time, both played for our country similar sort of time when we were young guys. Um, so that that you know that was amazing for us and for, for myself at the time. But like I say, once I kind of progressed a little bit more, it was then good to get away and and change change it up a little bit and experience something different. Um, so you know, I think like for you, you're going to America. It'll be different over there. I think you'll love it. It'll be be great for you and, and Elisa heading over. Um, as long as you don't get caught up too much in the lifestyle over in LA. But no, I, I, again, Paris and um or Ration and Glasgow compared, there's they're different teams, obviously different setups. Everything's over here as 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 in French, so that's again a challenge for me trying to learn the language and get the hang of that, which has been good. Um, uh, one of the things I love over here is that when you're when you're there to train and you're on the pitch or, or whatever you're doing, it's you know you're you're there to get a job done, and then 
And then when you're off the pitch, whether it's having lunch or even just build up in the warm up before you get on it, kind of thing, just kind of, it's very laughy, like very fun having a joke, having a laugh. It's nothing too serious. And once you're there to, once you're there to get your work done, it, it changes and boys can flip, you, flip the switch quite quickly, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, that's me. It's, I, I like that. Um, kind of environment where you can really just switch off and chill you can chat to the coaches the players and everyone has a laugh together there's no one there's obviously respect between players and coaches and things but the coach will have a laugh with the players and make jokes with the players and then the players will do the same back so you do that but then when everyone's got a good understanding so um, which, which I've found really good here um, back in Glasgow for me it was uh, I had Gregory as a coach obviously and, and some others but I was still I suppose kind of young when we were coming through, weren't we? We, we? I had never experienced any other sort of professional rugby or a team like that, so I just I assumed that was what it was. And for me, that was probably, you know, I didn't know anything different. And then when I went to, to Scotland and Vern was there, it was different. It's probably more like it is here because Vern's probably been coaching in France and playing in France for, for a long time, so he's probably more French and obviously is, um, is Scottish, <laughs> obviously. Um, so the way that Vern did it at Scotland was kind of similar to how it is here, and it was it was good for me. I think, like I say, you kind of when you're off the pitch, you you, you switch off. You don't have to worry about rugby. You don't have to do anything, mm-hmm. um, which is which is good. Um, although I I tend to do a lot of uh, analysis outside of rugby or on my own, so that's kind of the only the only thing that I continue to do that's outside of the actual rugby thing, which which keeps me. I don't keeps me switched on and keeps me ready for the weekends but um, I think that, yeah it's hard to compare the two clubs with Racing and Glasgow as it's probably hard to compare Paris and Glasgow um, they're again slightly different um, but I'm loving living over here in Paris and, and playing here so it's uh, it's been great fun yeah my, uh, I'm, I'm still uh, planning on coming over at some point and... <laughs> I've had that for two and a half years now <laughs> oh, yeah, things, but I'm going to go there and visit you at some point um, I'll come and visit you in LA before you come over here. Hi, I know. There's, there's every chance that might be the case, but I'm going to, I'm doing my best to go over there. I want to come and see <laughs> this uh, pad that you're living in. I've seen that um, behind you. I don't know how many times on the phone. I need to come over and see what it's actually like. Play some pool. You've got a pool I table there. Nah, one day. The, um, I have ads behind me there. Oh, for sure. It's down there. There it is. One of the things I was wanting to kind of touch on as well there was like, I think, like, you're probably, this is just my point of view because I probably played with you at Glasgow for a while, but I never seen you as somebody who would look into the opposition and do a lot of analysis. Like, I don't know if it's just because, obviously, you have your forwards and backs meetings and they're different times and different different meetings, essentially. But yeah, I think um, I've, I've heard people, and I know that from speaking to you and others, that it's something that you're really, really big on and you've got, you might have been big on it for the last six or eight years, but I've heard it been spoken about more probably over the last three or four years, and certainly since you sort of really started to push on with Scotland and moved over to to racing. But do you feel like what what is it that you're looking for sort of when you're doing that analysis on the or like you're you're looking at footage like because obviously you're a player that so much of the game's coming through, and you need to almost sort of. Do you sort of look at the footage and 
begin to understand what pl- certain players are doing, you know, where the space might be. Like, what's that whole process all about? Because it's obviously part of your preparation for the game and the way that you play with your your vision and obviously making decisions and, and all that kind of stuff, which is essentially, you know, look at that last try that was scored for the, the, the semi-final when you guys beat Saracens. You know, was that something that was picked up out of that analysis, an analysis session for some reason or whatever? Um, yeah, I think, well, we both are on the, the McPhail scholarship and from then I've kind of got about, like, more and more into the analysis side of the game. They, they drive that a lot. I, I don't know if it was the same when you were there, but when I was there, the guy John Haggart um, and Jason Holland, um, they'd always get me to go over my games, look at everything that I'd, that I'd done and what I could do better and what I thought and mm-hmm. like, really go through my game um, and pick out bits to then show, show them what I did well, what I could have done better, all, all that sort of stuff. And then uh, Hags, he was my coach at club, so he would kind of get me to go and look through the games and do the analysis to then tell the boys for that weekend, right, expect this, we're going to play like that and kind of create a game plan to then present to the team. And that was the first I'd ever done it. Um, and then from there, I kind of, I when I came back, I, then, well, I was playing with air, so you don't really get much footage of the game, so I couldn't do it much. But then when I started playing with Glasgow and then Scotland, I'd do more of it. And especially at Scotland, because we were in the hotel the whole time, so you have loads of time um, to, actually, to actually watch it in the evening. So me and Greg would go through a lot of um, a lot of training footage and a lot of the, the opposition footage and kind of start. That, that's I probably got more and more into it. Or it became more of a habit almost. Um, every night I'd sit and watch like an hour, an hour and a half of Greek. Like how the, this was like that training, we need to change that for the next day. This is how they attack, this is how they defend, sorry. Let's do that. And, Probably why we had, you know, we had a great partnership at nine and ten, and he was playing um, as he kind of we watched everything together and did everything, um, building up to the game together in terms of the analysis. And Vern was big on that, driving it and making us watch it to then dictate what we then did that week for training. So Vern would kind of be like, "You watch it on Tuesday night. Tell me Wednesday morning what you or Tuesday night what you want to do on Wednesday, and I'll create a session for that to to happen because it's you guys that are on the pitch." And then the fr- the Friday was in our session and we knew what we had to do and the captain run before the game on the Saturday. Um so it's maybe it's maybe a thing that the the, the Kiwis do more than us up to, uh, up in the northern hemisphere and we're now catching up to them on that. Um but yeah, for me it's just kinda of been a thing for the last like say six and a half, seven years that I've been doing most evenings. Um and back in Scotland maybe like you say, maybe it's getting talked about a bit more now. Um but I had sports code on my laptop, so I'd kind of tend just to watch it back in my house, like a coach almost. <laughs> I'd go back to my house on the hard drive and start watching it, watching hour of whatever it is, and I got back to mine. So folk would probably never see it. Um, but uh, but yeah, over here, where the computers are, they're in where we have lunch and like in the team room almost, so or the team lounge. So I would just sit and watch that when I'll have lunch and watch an hour or 40 minutes, whatever time I've got of the, the training. So. Everyone kind of sees you doing the work, so maybe that's why it's getting talked about a little bit more now. Um, but the things that I look at, I tend not really. I watch the games from the the weekend, like what we've played, but not. I don't look at it that much in that specific. Um, because I tend to, I find I sort of analyse that as I go along in the game. Mm-hmm. So there's maybe there's points that I'll know we should have done this differently. If we did that differently, could have been whatever outcome we look for. And the coaches then have the review as well, so. I tend more just to look at the opposition that we're coming up against the next week. Um, 
what I look for. Like Mike, he, he'll present what he thinks in attack, and I'll just kind of create my own game plan as well as his on the side. And I work really well, really closely with Mike actually on the attacking game plan that we have. So you know, he'll sometimes ask me like, "What do you think about this and that in the defence?" Or have you seen anything? And I'll then maybe just go to him one day and show him something that I saw that they defend like that. Have you seen it? And, it's just kind of like like we're chatting just now. It's very like casual and relaxed, but mm-hmm. it's good points about the game at the weekend. And it's maybe you know for a for a ten and for attack, which is important points that we're both on the same page and um, we're seeing the same things. Or if we've not, if I'm not seeing what he's seen, then it's good for him to show me and, and vice versa. Um, and that that's just kind of been how it's been here last season, especially. I think the year before it was hard for me with. The, the other coach Lolo because he was he spoke only in French pretty much so I couldn't really have the same conversations but with Mike being here we just got on the well and, and that's been a, a big part of the of why we're playing the way that we are at Racing um, which is which has been good whether it's through the short kicks or just playing wide or it's been um, been handy. Talking about the McPhail scholarship, um, you know you were out there the year before I went out and. Uh, I had no idea. Like I had rough and rough idea of what it was going to be like when I got out there. Um, and at that year, so the year that you'd come back, you'd pushed on a bit with Glasgow and had started to play a few games. And you know, you, you'd done well. But for me, the moment where it really, I, I realised, I was like, shit, maybe this guy's actually got something. He's he's going to go far. Was when I arrived in New Zealand. Right, uh, I'd been there for maybe like three or four days, and. By that point, there must have been about five or six guys that had come up to me and said, oh, do you know Finn Russell? Do you know Finn Russell? He got to the tournament in the Christchurch, uh, you know, competition. I had no idea. I had no idea. And then, you know, I think that gave me a lot of perspective for, like, obviously I knew you well as a friend. And I think that it's quite difficult. Like, when you're – obviously, we we played rugby together for ages and mm-hmm. we're at the same team and – you were in that phase of sort of breaking through into the Glasgow Warriors team, but I think honestly, when I went over there, I, I, the penny dropped me, and I was like, "Shit!" <laughs> came to New Zealand in one of the kind of club competitions in the world and got, got player of the season. He's going to go on to some big things. So that was often a bit of a side note, but um, I, I mean, that I, I had a fantastic. It was funny because it was it was me against Richie Monga who um, Hi. who were the top two about. Uh, to win, to win the, the like the player of the year. Cause it was the same with you. I'd imagine it was that player like man of the match gets three points and then two points and one point and all that kind of stuff. So it was between me and him, like up until the end, as to who was going to win it. So, and, uh, it's quite see, funny playing against him now. It, it must be funny, like, and I bet the style of rugby out there just suited you down to a tee because it's so open. Like, I mean, I have to say, like at, at that level of rugby in New Zealand, like. Defence is not as strong as it probably would be here. Like there's a much more, but there's a bigger focus on it here. But there's so that everything is geared towards running rugby and like dummying people or stepping people. And I do yeah. must have you there, there. One thing I felt when I was out there, I don't know what it's like for you as a, a number eight, but um, everyone understands the game a lot better. So as a ten, I went out there and coming. Sorry, from Scotland, you have to kind of organise and tell everyone what to do, and then going there, it's all I had to worry about was my job. I didn't have to uh, tell the forge you have to stand here or you have to go there. Look for it was just I can just do what I need to do, and everyone else is going to be on the same page because they understand the game a lot better. And 
again, like I said, I think up in Scotland and in the Northern Hemisphere, we're getting up to that kind of level now, where more and more people are watching rugby and the understanding is getting a lot better. Um, which is probably why teams are not not catching up with the All Blacks. I still think they're the best team in the world, but why teams are potentially getting closer and closer to them um, is because the rugby's just grown a lot more um, and people are starting to understand it better. Or not even better, just starting to understand more of how you actually play it and what to look for. And the way that teams are, are playing now in, in Scotland is more like how how the like, Kiwi teams were played a few, like, years ago. The kind of running rugby with the offloads and playing quickly, and part of that's due to the coaches they bring over. You know, Vern he's a Kiwi, and that's his sort of his style. Those the French as well, a French kind of style as well. Or when Dave Rennie came, it was a very much a super rugby style of rugby, playing as quick as you can with a lot of offloads. Um, so for for Glasgow especially, we kind of got into that sort of Southern Hemisphere style of rugby um, and played like that for for a good few years. And, and Gregor did that as well when 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 we were there. And when he was at Glasgow, we played that quick rugby, open, expansive rugby, and scoring a lot of tries, um, which was good fun. So that's it's kind of taking its time, but I, I think we're we're starting to get better and better at that. Mm-hmm. No, I would completely agree. Um, what I want to sort of uh, delve into now is a little bit of just like, so you know, when it comes to sort of performance, I think people approach it in all sorts of different ways. But how do you go about sort of the build-up period to? To performance because I think you're probably a guy who when you're out there in the field you know you come across as being very relaxed a lot of the time um, and I think you know you get you get all sorts of different players you get guys that are you know pumped up and um, you know get themselves into a real kind of emotional state before a game and that's what works for them you know it's different for every single person but in terms of your sort of performance when it comes to performance how do you approach that is, is there sort of routines that you follow is there um, things that you do to sort of trigger things within yourself so that you know when you go out there on the field you just got to go out there and almost let it happen um, yeah I don't, I've don't. i not got a set routine it's like something is different to normally I'm not too worried about it um, you know I used to take my wrists up and then I was like I don't even know why I do that Got no no issues with them, so I don't know why I, t- I take them up. So I took that off, and it's like it doesn't make a difference because it's not going to affect you. That it's not going to change how you play, you know. Um, and I remember Dave when he came to Glasgow. He was he said to me, oh, "You have to get a routine because you need to be the same every week." And it's and I was like, "Yeah, yeah," but in my head, I'm thinking, "Well, what if one week I feel completely different than another week? Then I have to change my routine to be, you know, you can't." For me, I didn't want to have it prescribed as what I do before a game or building up to it. I used to maybe eat healthy during during the week and then when it came to the game, kind of eat what I want so I feel good going into the game. Um, and I've kind of changed my routine or diet, whatever it is, as I've kind of progressed through my career. Um, although generally, whenever I get to the stadium, it's kind of the same the same routine every time. But without it being a routine, it's just what I do now. Um Without having to be like, I need to do this at that time. I need to get this at that time. And I need to. It's not a, a strict one, but it's just the ha- a habit almost. You know, I'll, I'll go in and I'll like you see, I have headphones on. I'll go out and kick with headphones, and I'll t- I'll kick in the same three spots, two balls from each. Work across the field and back. Then I will take my headphones off, and that's right. Like, now you get ready to play almost. And I tr- most most times when I train over here, I'll train with my laces undone. I hardly have a time with my boots up. Um, so the first kicks I hit, and when I'm going out and doing that kind of uh, 
six kicks with my headphones and I won't have my boots tied up or mess about with the ball and chill out and mm-hmm. do whatever I feel like I want to do. Um, but then the second time when I come out, that's when I'm like, right, this is time to warm up and that's time to, to get ready for it. Um, so that, that's just like just the pre-game um, kind of routine that I have. That I've, it's just, I've found it sort of just works for me. It's not been a set thing where, you know, I need to tie my boots up once, then I'm going to do them and tie them back up again or I need to make sure the, the laces are this size or I need to check on my studs. Before. It's none, none of that superstitious stuff. It's just kind of a certain routine that I go through you know I might come out and juggle with the balls or do some keepy uppies or once I hit the six kicks I might think oh, I'm going to hit a few drop kicks because that's what I feel like doing just now I just kind of do whatever I need to do just before the game to chill out or hit a few kicks get, get kind of loose I get a bit and then when I come back out the second time it's then warmer up but even in the warm ups kind of doing what I need to do feeling, feeling like what I need to do for the game um, I don't know maybe I'm very as you know I'm very chilled out and very relaxed Um Maybe part of that's because I do the work during the week. Like I, I'm, when I go into games, I'm generally very clear on what what I'm looking for and the game plan and what I'm trying to get from it. Or mm-hmm. maybe again, that comes down to the analysis that I'll do during the week. So then going into the game, I'm clear and I'm, I know I know what's going on. Um, yeah, so it's probably I don't know. It's, it's a, probably, probably a mixture of things to get ready for a game at the weekend. Uh, you know, the size of the game over here, I've found that. Every game you you don't have to win it, but every game your your like teams was a desperate to win, and no matter who it's against, it's you know whether it's against the bottom of the league or the top of the league, you still kind of have the same build up that week in, in training, and the same build up in the in the change rooms before the game, which is good. Um, so yeah, I'm probably I'm probably actually very consistent in what I do, but without having a routine. Yeah, no, I'm actually similar myself. Like I I like to. I don't like to have too strict a routine because like, there's always a spanner that gets thrown in the works. And, you know, mm-hmm. you, I found that in the past, maybe I, I've never been somebody who's been really like OCD about things. Like, I don't want to, yeah. I don't have like this, that, and the next thing. Like, for me, I'll listen to music before a game. And you know what? If I don't have my headphones one game, I'll just go and we'll get on with it. Whereas I feel mm-hmm. like sometimes, you know, if you, if you get a little bit too strict with it, there's just too many things that can potentially throw you off. Um, mm-hmm. But it's a very, it's a really, really individual thing. And, you know, I think people ultimately will do what works for themselves. But it seems to me like I remember being in that meeting that you're talking about when Dave sort of kind of initially spoke to us about mental preparation for a game and getting yourself into that routine um, and sticking with it so that every single game, you know, you do X, Y, Z, and you know that once you've done mm-hmm. that, you'll be in a certain state. You know, yeah. that's, um, you know, I think it's probably quite a, a Kiwi thing to do. I think they're quite big on their, their kind of mental skills and, and all that kind of thing. Is, is there anything that you would say that you do kind of mentally? Like, are you big on like visualization or, you know, are you, is, is there anything that you would sort of speak of that you sort of would say that you do quite regularly? Visualization, maybe. Well, I suppose it goes back to maybe the, the stuff I do on on computers, like the pictures I'll see on computers. It's like that's going to happen like this. So I'll maybe chat to the boys and say, look, if we run this shape, then that guy's probably going to be there. So look to get in that gap. So it's maybe not. It's maybe not visualizing. I'm maybe, uh, I can't even think. I maybe just sometimes if I'm lying alone, I maybe be thinking about the game. And uh, yeah. if, you know, if it's in bed at night and I can't sleep, I maybe just start running through things in my head, like what happens and you start like you say visualising things but without it being a set like I've got to have 10 minutes visualising <laughs> me making a half break or me catching an interception or running the length it's not anything like that it's just 
something that maybe just happens. Um, but like I say, that I'll quite often be chat over here, some another English speaking guy, I'll chat to them and say, look, if you find that guy there, nine times out of ten, he's going to turn in and look for this option. So we'll do that, then get here and get there. And as folk have seen on the pitch with me and Zebes, we're always just chatting, having a laugh, but saying, look, the skid that, look for this next time, he's going to do that. So look for that. And you kind of analyse them as you go on the field. So then, and, and like I say, as we're discussing it, so when it comes to it, you've seen it, you've discussed it, and you're both on the same page. Um, mm. But I don't know, visualisation, I've not I've not done much of that. Um, the only time I can well, probably do that is when I'm kicking a goal or yeah. to, to touch maybe if I've got, if it's a closed skill, I can kind of control something. You know, in, in a game, I might be thinking, oh, I've seen a run this play off this scrum here, maybe I can... Maybe I can do that, or if I see something in front of me, um, off penalty advantage or something, I don't know, then I know I've got time to look and see what's happening. Right, I see they do that. But it's not visual, visualising what's going to happen, it's just I've seen the pictures before, so mm-hmm. uh, maybe all, it all comes down to that, I suppose. Um, I think yeah. it's, for, for, it could be, that's maybe something more maybe for a, for a, a hooker that's throwing and visualising, throwing it straight and throwing it to whatever, you know, a two-step lob or whatever you guys call it. Um, looking, looking for that. Could be could be something, very, but I think a very, a, a close skill like that or goal kicking or kicking to touch could be could be something that you visualise and you run over in your head, like like I say, over your head through your routine that you have. So everyone will have a routine for goal kicking or, or for throwing, whatever it is. Um, that's going to be something they can run through, run over and, you know, that, that does help, I think. But, you know, it's hard to kind of run over you know, defence against a guy that in a game, you know, I'm going to tackle him like this, but then the chance of that actual that, that situation situation actually happening is probably very, very small, you know. If I'm against you, I'm like, right, I'm going to hit Asi, can I chest tight and smash him? It's probably not going to happen, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so it's hard to, to see that kind of stuff. It could be, you know, defence, what, what maybe players are trying to work on, whether it's kicking, passing, side steps, they might start visualising themselves in side steps and, Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of stuff so but when they try it it's better but um, I, I wouldn't say I kind of use that as a tool to, to really work work that much Yeah it sounds like it, for you it just happens all kind of naturally and you know like it's not like you, you sit down and, and set a routine it just you end up just thinking about it and I, personally I think that's like the most effective way that it happens because mm-hmm. it's not forceful it's not like you're you're, you're trying it's just a natural thing Um like and then again, like, like I think people, you're probably known as somebody in sport, and I want to ask this as sort of a general question, and obviously you're going to answer it from the point of view of a rugby player. But um, in sports, there's obviously um, basic skills involved, whether it be in basketball, shooting, whether it be in rugby, passing, and, and your visualization, or, or but you, you're somebody who seems to have sort of nailed the basic skills to a level that is sort of up here. Like, how? what would you say is the best way of explaining how you've got to that level? Is it something that's happened sort of quite naturally or is it something that you happen to put quite a lot of emphasis on? Um, I'm kind of asking this question from the point of view of like learning new skills and how to get better at things um, when it comes to sort of physical movement. Um, I think... I think I've always been quite a good passer. That probably goes back, you know, to like 
not as long as I can remember, but since I've been in the back garden with my brother, it's kind of passing a ball, having a laugh. Almost, I could be doing something as silly as like, oh, we'll put a bin there and we'll try and throw the ball into it. And just kind of small things like that, messing about with your brothers or going down to the club and playing rugby golf or something for kicking. Mm-hmm. It's wee things like this that I've probably done so many times without thinking about it, but then it actually has an impact on, it's having an impact on my overall skills. Um, I've had coaches in the past try and change the way that I pass. Um, which at the time you've got to be like, yeah, 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 sure, I'll try that. But in, the, in my head, I'm like, there's no chance I'm doing that. Like, it's just like, there's, yeah, there's been times that I'm thinking like, I'm much better at passing than most of the guys. So like, why am I going to change it? Or mm-hmm. I'm passing well, why am I? Um, so that, that's part of it maybe as well. Like some coaches, are, it depends what it is. Some coaches might try and change it. Some, and it depends if, if you want to, how it works, what feels good for you, what feels natural. Um, Actually, when I went to New Zealand, again, in the scholarship, you know what it's like, again, when you're in the IHPU, you do a lot of individual skills. Um, but it's a lot of offloading or passing or kicking. So, um, so I did a, we did a lot, a lot of passing drills there. Just simple ones, like, very, like, not, not that much fun, but just kind of passing in front or just one hand to the side. These kind of drills, everyone kind of knows, but we don't do them that much. Um or whether it's heavy ball passing as well, things like that. Um, so I had like three months of doing, you know, two sessions of passing like that a week, probably if not more, and that would have had a an impact on how I how I pass. Um, we do, you know, you do awful and like just very, um, what do you say? No, not structured, but just like on awful and or passing. It's very like it's just about that. It's not about running and passing. It's just about the actual passing or offload and it's not about having to sidestep do this and do that it's just about getting into that motion getting used to the, the throw and small parts that you you look to try and do um I, I don't know if you did that over there as well but one for offload and it was like right, you fall you just small thing about getting your palm going to the sky then you then rep that 50 times that day you do that twice a week you've done 100 reps you do that for three months and it's mm-hmm. i don't even know how many reps that is but you know mm-hmm. that's yeah. So it doesn't seem like much at the time, but when you do that many of it, that that much of it, sorry, it's it will have an impact. And that was probably like the passing. You know, I felt I was a good passer before I went, and when I got came back from that, I felt I could pass a little bit better. And even here at here at Rasson, we're always throwing wide passes. We're having to use that as a an attacking weapon, which is great for me because I like throwing a good wide pass. Um, but part of it for me is now I want to be, I, I like being a good passer. I want to be a great passer. So if I throw a bad pass, it's kind of like you might check a guy on the shoulder and I'm like, yeah, I need to do better than that. I won't go and rep it a hundred times after the session, but I just know for next time. I know that I can do it better. So things like that, it's like, you know, yourself, you have your own standards and your own, you know, your own yeah, standards, I suppose, of how you, your own expectation of what you what you expect from yourself, whether that's passing, kicking, you know, for you it might be tackling or ball carrying or scrummaging. <laughs> I don't know, it could be anything. <laughs> hitting and chasing in the scrum or a rock like that but it could be anything <laughs> um, and I, I suppose I've got kind of high standards of myself for, for passing and, and kicking or small kicking game or all forward score uh, the proper skills and uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if you, you can remember this but remember back maybe like six years ago uh, we were both playing at Glasgow like you would get to like the defence session on the 
the Thursday or whenever it was, Wednesday or Thursday, and then, like, for instance, like you had uh, a rest week, so or even sometimes they would just put you from the starting team into the opposition, so they'd be attacking against us and we'd be in defence. Right. We used to do that because you would like. <laughs> There was nothing that the defence could do to stop you doing that dummy. You know, when you like run at the... Yeah, then show ball, yeah. And then you just go through. <laughs> and it's funny because we must have done it for about seven or eight weeks in a row. And like time after time, you just kept going through again and again. And it's just like, I think like having that ball, having the ball in your hands and sort of just continuously putting yourself in a position where you have to perform that skill over time, you just end up almost mastering it. So there's probably an aspect of that to it as well. Aye. Well, actually, I mean, I think whenever I'm training or warming up or doing whatever, I'm always messing about with the ball, having a laugh. Whether it's just throwing a pass someone or just, like, messing about. Like, say, juggling with the balls in my ha- the ball in my hand or, or whatever it's. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be working on my skills without even knowing that I'm doing it. Um, like, I juggle quite, not quite a lot, but I can juggle with balls, I can juggle with torches, all that kind of stuff. So, just a lot of hand-eye coordination stuff helps mm-hmm. for the sort of skills I'll be pitched when you're, when you're catching and passing. Um, one thing that I find that helps that helped me a lot was when I was younger, I worked quite a lot on, um, not quite a lot, I worked a little bit on um, just the way I caught the ball. So it sounds like something very simple, mm-hmm. but it's kind of like trying to catch it so you're ready to pass straight away. It just gives you an extra half a second with the ball in your hand um, to beat the defence maybe. So just trying to catch where your hands are ready to just pass straight away, um, which is easy. And again, it come throwing passes. It's, it's easy if you know what what the defence is going to do. So again, it comes back to the, the analysis you did during the week. You're like you say that step that step back and, and show the ball. You know, I've scored tries here at Rasson or set up tries here or, or whatever. You know, Zeebs loves hanging around on the inside of me close to a ruck. He knows I'm going to step back and look for the ball, like look to give it to him, which works a lot. And, even though teams still see it, it's hard to defend because, you know, Johnny Gray, he always tries to stop me getting it. He's always like, right, watch into it. And he's always, he always thinks he's got it. But then when I see him in front, I know what he's going to do now. So I know how he's going to try and defend it. So I know, right, well, there's no point in me looking for that. So I'm going to do something different then create the space elsewhere. So it then creates that, um, not the fear, just the, the deception and, and what I'm going to do. So Johnny might sit for one. He's just one example because he, he thought, oh, I find it hilarious whenever I beat him doing that. Um, and he, he's always talking about it, talking it up. So it's having that as an option, having different options, different kind of arms to your, you know, to your attack, whether it's, again, a small chip, the wide pass, the short pass, the step back and all forward. Or if you've got that, then it keeps the defence guessing. Uh, I remember it was Jerry Yana Yanatawa that you dummied about times. I don't think he's left. <laughs> 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 but, but, some sometimes you just you can't pick it up and that's it. Uh huh. But even even here I'll still go through and the fun, the the funny thing is for me is boys are like after the session they're saying I don't know how I still I, I don't know how you get through there like everyone knows that you're going to look for it at some point, but you still you still manage to get through and it's, you know, it's triggers that you pick up during the session, during the game, whenever you're doing it and it's, mm-hmm. it's just finding the right time and knowing when it's, you know, sometimes I'll run it and I won't get through, but mm-hmm. sometimes you, you run it and you, you do get through, obviously, or, mm-hmm. which is which is how it is and you've just got to pick up the right trigger, sometimes they defend it well or, mm-hmm. um, they pick up the right trigger, like with Jerry, obviously he's in front of me, he's slightly bigger than me, 
the chances are if I'm on his outside shoulder, he's going to probably overtrack to go my outside, so it's easy to step back and get an inside, you know? Uh, it's just small things like that where I just see a guy in front and I know, right, he's getting it, it's, it's on. <laughs> he's, he's dust. He's done, eh? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm keen to ask a little bit about what are the biggest motivating factors for you in your career? Like obviously, some guys are motiv- motivated by winning. Some guys are motivated by family. Some guys winning. Um, you know, there are some things that just completely unmotivate people. So I'm quite keen to to delve into this a little bit and, and figure out, you know, what within the the psyche of Finn Russell, what is it that that motivates you? Um, what motivates me? Well, I think I don't know actually. Just yeah, winning's obviously one thing, but you know, when you when you play thirty games a year, um, every week you want to win, um, and you want to win at the end of the year. So there's different goals for that. But I'd say part of it's me, just kind of the the expectations I have of myself. You know, I want to be the the best that I can be, and you know, I think I'm doing a, a decent job of that. So then it puts you in like, right, I'm training here and playing here with guys like Virimi or Zeeb, so. Teddy Thomas, like whoever it is, Kangu Shah, Bernard Lodu, these kind of guys, I'm like, right, I can be a decent player, but they're, they're better than me. So it's then like, right, well, when I'm training, I want to be at the same level as them, as them or I want to be the guy that's kind of pushing them to, to them be for them to be better. And mm-hmm. It's not so much a, a thing that, that that's what drives Finn to be as good as his teammates or whatever it is. It's just, it's natural, that kind of competition and just wanting to be the best that you can be. Um, and through doing that, we're, like for us at Rasen, we're putting and at Glasgow a few times, you, know, you put yourself in positions to then win titles or to win big games and, and do all that, which is that just comes off the back of the work that you do during the week. And like everyone says, when there's competition, you're kind of pushing your your teammates on, and you're you know you're helping everyone. So you know if I've if I train at fifty percent, then other boys might train at fifty percent, and being a ten is quite an influential position in the team. So I know. Like if I don't train well, if I don't play well, it's gonna have a, an impact on the team. The same as like uh, like other guys, you know. Um, so I think cause again over here, like I have so much fun playing and training over here. Like some days it's hard, but you know what it's like. But um, I'm always like laughing and having a joke over here. So when we're on the pitch, it's like yeah, we're here to play well, but we're having fun when we're doing it. Mm-hmm. And that probably brings out the best in myself and and other boys here. I mean. I've never seen someone with a bigger smile than Virimi when he's running over a try. You know, like, things like that are just like, if I put a chip over for him and then he gets it and runs it in, I get pleasure off that. Not because I've scored the try, but because I've set him up and I was like, oh, that's a pretty good bit of skill there. Mm-hmm. Well, then he can sell, but he can get the tries or, or whatever it is. And just the atmosphere and the environment we have here, it's so much fun to, to be in that when you're on the pitch, it's, it's exciting to get in the pitch. Mm-hmm. And you're excited to try these things. You're excited to express yourself. Which is a, a great, um, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a great situation to be in um, when you're, you're coming up against a team, whether it's the best team in the pro fourteen or the worst, or in the top fourteen, or the worst team. It doesn't matter, you know. We could go into a game thinking, right, we can try this, we can try that. And it's a game we need to win, but we're still going to express ourselves and try these. Like the Sabsons game, we're still going to try the chips over the top. We're still going to try the offloads. Mm-hmm. Everyone's kind of backing each other. It's it's, it's really good. Um, which is probably so that's it. I mean, it's what drives me, what drives most players. Um, I, I don't know, a lot of boys will be winning, a lot of boys will be the best of them to get the best of themselves. 
you know, um, when I got a contract here, it was then right. I need to prove in France that I'm a, a, I'm a that I'm a really good player over in France. I need to prove myself in racing. Now. You know, I kind of established myself at Glasgow. I need to do the same at racing. Now, so I need to do that in in the France in the top fourteen now. So challenges like that keep me going, keep me more keep, keep me motivated, but without actually like having a set goal or a set thing that's that most that motivates you. You know, when you go to America you'll you probably want to be one of the best players that's that's there, if not the best. Um and that'll get you going. Like you'll play with great players and that'll keep you keep you driven without without needing anyone to or without needing any actual goal. Mm-hmm. It just kinda things yeah. like that just kinda push you on. Yeah, I think so. And and I think there's an aspect of like uh, every so often sort of freshening things up a little bit you know I think if you can if, if you don't have a sort of change in challenge or a different focus point things can get a little bit stale and you know I think a lot of the things that you mentioned there are you know you might have been going to a World Cup or you might have been going out to France you had to prove yourself there so it's I think there's there's keeping things fresh is a really important part of, of being a professional athlete or even generally speaking in life because uh well, I think it's something that I've noticed a lot since sort of finishing up with Glasgow and sort of at the moment as things stand, I've got my training programme that I've been given from LA and I'm doing that at the moment, but I'm, I'm loving it. It's a new challenge. It's something to, to put my focus on, put all my energy into. And uh, yeah, totally agree. Can't wait to get out there and just get stuck into it. And, you know, it's, it's something new. When it comes mm-hmm. to, um, one of the things that I, I heard you kind of saying there is that me being a, a sort of friend of yours, like it's quite clear to me that you have really high expectations of, you know, for for yourself and what you place on yourself. And I think that's why you can get so much out of yourself. But, you know, I think one of the things that people often struggle with in life is when other people place expectations on somebody, whether it being your boss and you're working in your nine to five job and, you know, you feel the heat or the stress that comes from that. How have you managed to sort of deal with the expectations that have been placed on you from coaches? You know, like, for instance, a coach has wanted to do things this way, but, you know, you maybe wanted to do it a different way or you saw an opportunity here and maybe it hasn't worked out. Like, how, how do you find that sort of plays out for you and and, and what's been your way dealing with that? Um, you know, I'm, all, I'm, I'm open to different ideas. You know, I don't know everything about rugby. Um coaches don't know everything about rugby so you've got to have different ideas and you, you've got to be open to mm-hmm. the changes and to adapt them to these kind of situations when a, if a coach wants you to play differently or uh, some player got an injury so you can't then run that move you've got to do something different which is fine um, but again like I, I've kind of mentioned it over here it's, it's very open and if Mike comes and says to me often like we can't do that this week you can't do that it's got to be a much uh, tighter game plan and this and that I'll be like well all right, well, why is that? And well, the chances are that I've probably thought that as well because the way we might think it's very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, which it can get frustrating if it's like that, and you can get annoyed. Um, but you know, if the if the coach is open and actually chatting to you and and giving you reasons behind it, um, and actually at least even taking your your thoughts and 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 into consideration, then that that can help. You know, um, you know, if, if I'm the coach and you're the player, and I say, look, Adam, I know you're a number eight that likes to run the ball, um, or likes to run off ten more. Like, just I want you picking and going every every time this week and hitting rocks. I don't want you carrying the ball. You're gonna be like, why not? That's what I'm good at. That's what I like doing. Mm-hmm. 
And then if, he, if he's like, no, you're not doing it, that's how it is, then you're going to be a bit frustrated, a bit down, and you're probably not going to play as well, are you? So um, that does kind of get on you. Like That's not an expectation. That's more just coaches might expect you to be able to just change and play differently, which, which you, you can do, but it's maybe not how you want to. So then that then has an impact on potentially your mental, like your, the mental side of it going into the game, the week building up to it, you're maybe not as committed, you're maybe not quite, you know, got as much energy, not looking forward to it as much. You're thinking, yeah, I'm going to go and play, but we're playing this, you know, I've got to kick everything in my own half or I can't actually, we're just playing off nine two times and off ten, we've just got to go through the hands, we can't run anything or whatever it is, it depends. Um, so that can play on you the sort of, maybe the mental side or just take can sap energy from you. Um, but like you said, I think I probably put more expectations on myself than coaches do. Um, like I said that to Gregor once, he was, after the game he was chatting to me about how I, how I deal with things after the game. And I said, I'm pretty good, I think I just switch off or go out and forget about it and come Monday I'll be ready to go again. Um, but straight away after the game, that's when I kind of run things over my head in the change rooms after I kind of, like I say, you can analyse the game as you go along. I run through a lot of things, and that's when I would then start off. Oh, I did this different like that, even the outcome, and then if I did that, I would then won the game. Or it could be a game that you lose by 50 points, but I've had a great game. So I could walk thinking, oh, a bad loss for us, but I played well, so not much more I could do. But you could win a game by 50 points, and I could have thrown three interceptions and kicked two balls out in the full or whatever. And I'd probably come off like a lot more down after that game, even though it was a good win for us, and be like, that was absolutely terrible today. I mean, that was even in the next week, you, I would kind of end a bit down because it's like, well, I was pretty rubbish. That like, I was miles off where I expect where I expect myself to be, but I know I can be. So, mm-hmm. um, actually, the results in the game they help a little bit, but um, it's more about the my performance that I I take pleasure off and I take I take take things from you know. Yeah. Whether it's a win or a loss, it's more about my individual performance and the team's performance instead of the actual result itself, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I think, like, um, you know, coaches, whoever it might be, like managers, bosses, you know, senior people in companies, they're always going to place a little bit of heat on you. And I think as a player, like, the big thing that probably helps is that if they're open to, to listening and they're open to hearing your thoughts, and then, you know what, mm-hmm. As you get a bit older and a bit more experienced, you probably get a little bit better at picking and choosing which battles you want to fight and when to sort of yeah. stick your head on the line and that kind of thing. Um, but that, I think that's something that only comes with experience, and and it's never easy. I think personally, I don't know how many times I've got that wrong. But one of one of the things that I want to kind of move on to now is just like like kind of interest outside of rugby. Like you know, obviously being the kind of player you are, like. Uh, you know, there's a lot of sort of stuff that you'll do in the media and, and speak about when it comes to rugby, but like interests away from sport, like what do you like to do to switch off? Have you got any interests in uh, other things away from sport? Um, I'll, like I kind of mentioned, I mentioned earlier, I love my own over here, yeah. Um, so outside of training, the first year or two years I was here, a year and a half, because then we went into lockdown, um, I would go out for dinner every night, um, never cook, just go out for dinner and eat out every night. I use that as an excuse to say that I'm trying to learn French by going out and chatting to folk. Um, during lockdown, I got into cooking actually, so nothing too extravagant, but um, easy enough dishes. 
But no, for me, um, like I said, after training, I'll come back home, maybe have a baguette with someone, chill, either watch Netflix or play PlayStation. I play quite a bit of PlayStation and chat with the boys back home or try and chat with the French boys here, but that's that's pretty tough. Um, when you're trying to concentrate in the game and you're having to try and speak in French, that's when I get caught out a few times. Um, but yeah, and then in, in the summer, like there's not like I say, like, usually after training you're quite tired, so I come back here, just chill out most evenings. Um, I'm probably not the sort of guy that's going to go for a walk in the park myself or go a walk in the woods on my own or, or whatever. That's <laughs> um, I've got a bike you like. In the summer, I'll take the bike out and something, just go into town, have a drive around. Um, I like doing that when it's nice and warm or, or a game of golf. That's a big thing. for. I think quite a few rugby players will play golf because you've got time off, but it's quite easy in the body getting out and about and having a swing. Um, in Paris, obviously, we're spoiled for choice for restaurants, cafes, bars and all that kind of stuff. So um after games it's again here in Paris it's different. You can book a table for half past eleven at night and go and have dinner then. So no matter what time the game is, you can go out as late as you want, have dinner and, and chill out like that. So mm-hmm. um my family and friends can work quite a bit. Um so whenever they're over I'll go out and do stuff for them, whether it's like I say going for the cafe somewhere, going for dinner somewhere in the evenings or or whatever. Um and yeah, yeah, after games, like I say, we'll go for dinners um, with the boys all just go out together and, and have a laugh. So there's not, not too much I do outside the rugby. Um, I'm very I'm very chilled, actually. Um, I don't do that much. Um, like part of that's because I'm, I'm here on my own mm-hmm. and I've not got, um, you know, I've not got someone to go to town with or like kids to go and go to the park with or whatever. Um, which is fine to me. It's just uh, I'm not too fussed about that. I quite like my own company, so. Um, I'll see. Uh, yeah, maybe the future will be different. Ah, maybe. Um, and I'll and I'll start doing stuff when I, you know, who knows. But just now, it's a, it's a very chilled out life. Playing some pool, playing some pools and some PlayStation. That's about all. It sounds good, and it. I'm glad you've managed to get out and uh, sample some of the French cuisine. I'm sure it's fantastic over there. And as you say, I mean, like. A lot of the time at the moment, I'm sure you're just uh, trying to keep yourself content in a house. And I mean, I, if I did game, I'm not somebody who games. I'm sure I would probably see that you're on there uh, for a, a good uh, few hours tonight, but I don't. <laughs> so, uh, I think um, it's, it's different again in Paris. Um, like Glasgow's so small compared to Paris. Um, you know, if I was to go into Paris and like, I'm, let's say I've got tomorrow off and like, I'll go in tonight and I'll have dinner and. Um, and chill out for a little bit with a couple of guys, whatever. It's, it's like a 35, 30 minute trip into Paris. You then have the restaurant, you're there for a few hours, you then 30 infinite minutes back out or whatever. And it's not tiring, it's like that bad, but in most folk in Glasgow are probably not going to drive to Edinburgh to have dinner to then drive back, are they? Mm-hmm. Um, or even during the day, if I'm like, oh, on the day off, I'm going to go into Paris and walk around a few shops. I find by the time I've gone into Paris, had some food, walked around a shop, you're, you're tired by the end of it. It's like, you end up walking, I don't know, five, six K or whatever it is in the day off. Um, when I first moved over here, I'd go into Paris quite a lot and have like lunches and walk around the shops and do stuff quite often. And then I realised, then I kind of thought, like, I'm just, I'm knackered like after that. What's the point of me going in on my day off and becoming knackered to then have to train the next day? So mm-hmm. um, I've kind of stopped doing that unless I've got family or friends over, in, in which case I'll do it. But, um, I'm just very professional, Adam, and getting ready for the next day's training. 
and we all know that. So, what's uh, I've got two more questions for you. I'm just conscious of the time because we're kind of just over an hour now. So, the we always finish with the two, two kind of similar questions. So the first one is, what is your go-to pure sport product? What's your kind of favourite product? Um, currently, just now, I'm using a lot of the BAM, obviously getting massages. Um, but my favourite is probably the, the ginger, turmeric, and well, and CBD tablets. Um, mm -hmm. I've run out just now, so get some of them sent over soon enough, hopefully. Well, I don't worry. <laughs> uh, but, um, but I know I take them, I like them, because I kind of I wake up in the morning and just have, have a few of them before I head into training. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and well, actually at night, I'll, I'll take the, the drops as well, so I'm kind of using all, all three of the, 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 well, the, the first products, also there's the new one out, but um, I tend to use all three per, per day usually, um, mm -hmm. which has been quite handy for me, but the, the turmeric and ginger, I like them because I tend to put turmeric in my, my teas and stuff like that, so mm -hmm. it's gives me an extra little boost for the turmeric and ginger. Yeah, I... And I know you're into you've uh, you've kind of changed things up with your diet a little bit, and you're quite into sort of natural health and 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 eating things that are quite healthy for you. So I'm sure that triple effect of getting those sort of three products in there will be be doing you your body a world of good. And then a the last question. Yeah. So if you had one bit of advice to give to a young person out there. Now, this doesn't have to be in sport. This is just like life advice. So it could be to, to anybody. So it's a real kind of broad question. What would that be? And this is putting you on the spot. I know. Not, you've not seen this question. I sent I sent Finn over a lot of these questions to look at. <laughs> Apart from this one, what we do, we put people on the spot. What advice would I give? Oh. Do whatever makes you happy. And, and whatever gives you like enjoyment and pleasure. Um, I mean, I know for me, like, uh, I was a stonemason before rugby and I didn't think I enjoyed it. I then started playing rugby and I was like, oh, it was actually, it was good fun. It was very different to rugby, but it was good fun actually being a, a stonemason and working with the guys on the, on the, on the, on the tools. Um, so, yeah, for me, I, I enjoy kind of hands-on stuff like that. I always have. Um, but that's it. I mean, do something that you enjoy. If you don't enjoy it, then you're, you're not going to be, Outside of that, you won't you won't have much fun. You'll probably be a bit frustrated, and that'll then have a knock-on effect for everything. Um, you know, I think um, for me after rugby, I don't know what I'm going to do after rugby at all. Um, I have thought about going and getting a, an apprenticeship and in, in some in a trade. I'm not sure of what though. Um, just because that's something I'd, I'd like to do, and like I said, I enjoy that kind of hands-on sort of stuff. So um, I'll see. I'll see what I fancy after rugby. Oh, brilliant. Hey, I'm all for it. Do what you enjoy. And uh, I think that's a great bit of advice is to, if you've got, if you've got a passion, you've got something that you, you particularly enjoy doing, whether it's a sport, whether it's music, whatever, follow it, see where it takes you. It might not take you to the kind of place where you can earn money from it, but I'm sure you'll enjoy doing it. And that worst case scenario, fantastic. So, uh, great to... Worst case would be kind of being locked in on something that you don't enjoy and you're struggling to get out of it. Yeah, uh, yeah, difficult position to be in. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm, I'm a very similar, uh, in that kind of, I share the same view. I, I think I'm quite a, a kind of open, arty type person, like music, like sport, and uh, yeah, I think I'm kind of, I've been fortunate to, 
to kind of be in the same position as you, where you, you get to pursue something that you love. And yeah, that is a very fortunate position because most people don't get to do that. But yeah. anyways, it's, uh, Finn, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on here. Um, thank you so much for giving us some of your time tonight to, to jump on and, and for us to get to know you a little bit. Um, you know, you're, you've been a fantastic uh, athlete and ambassador for us here at Pure Sport and we look forward to, to working with you more in the future and uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll draw the line there and we'll, we'll see you all soon. Sounds good, my man. I'll speak to you in a bit. See you, bro. Cheers.